is Circuitous Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode 37 for May... I always do this. Monday, May 16th. There you go. Monday, May 16th, 2011. Yes. <clears throat> and uh, it's rainy in New York City, and it's going to be rainy for the next week. That's what they say. It looks awful outside. It looks awful, and the weather report looks awful, and yeah. it's depressing me. Yeah, that uh, that can happen. I haven't left the house all day. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, are I you, suppose. Are you in your underwear, or did you actually get dressed? Oh, I don't really get, quote-unquote, get dressed when uh, when I'm just sitting around the house. So, okay. so, so no, I didn't get dressed. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, either did I. Uh, actually, I did. I had a lot of stuff to do today. Well, yeah, you, hey, you said you left the house. Yeah, it's true. I went and had a shoot. But I'll tell you, uh, mm-hmm. Heather and I just went and had noodles mm-hmm. at this noodle shop uh, oh, down yeah. on Fifth Avenue. Uh-huh. And it was just like Japan. Oh yeah, it was really good. Were the people slurping and everything? People were slurping, and it was it was pretty tasty. And even nice. the advertising was very much like Tokyo Noodle Shop, like these sort of like overblown, sort of fast foody kind of places. Sweet. Um, yeah, it was good. And uh, on the way back, I went and I had a McDonald's Sunday. Oh, I'm telling you, best dollar forty. Yeah, it's it's a good value. It's a good value. I can't argue with. Although you know what, my current uh, ice cream. Whatever you want to call it, vice is. Yeah. Uh, I've always had a, a thing for ice cream sandwiches. Yeah. Now, do you do the little twenty-five cent small ones, or like the hood ones, or the cheap big ones? I've ten- I tend to find that the 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 cheaper they are, the better they are. Like the no- like if you can find like the store brand, like the yeah. the no name branded ones, like the, yeah. you know that have been sold by the store store brand. Uh, they tend to taste the best. You know, they come with a paper wrapper. Yep. Um, and, you know, and they leave a little bit of that, you know, whatever the, the sandwich part, you know, the... the on the wrapper and on your fingers. You get a little bit of residue at the end of the of the thing, and that tends to be... Those are the best. Although, I have to say, uh, you know, I had this, this craving for the ice cream sandwiches, and I was at the... Uh, I guess it was a key food, so some, some supermarket in my neighborhood. Yeah. And, you know, it was one of the bigger supermarkets, and I went to the frozen section... And I found uh, they didn't have any house brands. And those are usually available in like a 12 or 24 pack. You know, there's generally a nice little brick of them. Uh, but they did have a Nestle branded ice cream sandwich, which I think was a six pack. And I had a okay. weird like recollection like from a year or two ago when I went to some, I don't know, Dwayne Reed or a bodega or someplace that had one of those just those teeny weeny little like, you know, um, like a. Uh, the, the freezer that sits on the floor with the little glass sure. lid that you kind of shove the lid out of the way, like yep. more like a cabinet or whatever. Uh, and they had, you know, single serving, you know, ice cream sandwiches. And I picked one up and I, I, I had this weird recollection that, it you know, I got I had a Nestle one and it was actually quite tasty. So I, you know, I took a chance and I bought the box and uh, I was pleasantly surprised when I got home and they were just about as good as I could expect. There was a, there's some ice cream bars in, uh, in Italy and in in England, they have them. It's like the the hood company over there makes these bars called Magnum. Oh yeah, I've heard of those. Yeah, and there's there's like a bunch of different kinds, and there was this one that had like crunchy stuff in it. Anyway, I traveled around all the places whenever I'm in Europe looking for the exact one I want, and I can invariably never find it. But the the one that I, I, went, I remember when I was in Japan, there's a company that that our brand or whatever you want to call it called uh, Crunky. Crunky. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they make, you know, chocolate bars and ice cream stuff. And I remember that being a pretty tasty treat as well. Apparently today's conversation is about treats. <laughs> well, so far. Um, so I, I had an idea. Yeah. I was thinking about a movies 
from your childhood that you still love uh-huh. and not like the obvious ones, uh-huh. not Star Wars. Sure. Um, <clears throat> secondly, movies that are kind of famous that maybe you haven't seen yet or have recently seen as an adult right. that everyone else had already seen already. Sure. Uh, I thought those would be kind of interesting things to discuss. Okay. Because uh, I watched Diner the other day. Oh, it's funny because they were talking about that on some podcast I was listening to recently. Really? Uh-huh. Have you seen this movie? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, um, everyone in it is like big famous stars. Yeah. You know, I think the, the person I was listening to, I think it was the <clears throat> Adam Carolla podcast and he was interviewing Tim Daly. Sure. Um, Who was in that? And I, yeah, I think he, they were talking about how he would, that was, I think that was one of his first, you know, big breaks. I think he plays Billy. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh. It was just a very odd movie, and I, I'm surprised I'd never seen it. But then again, there's a lot of movies like that I haven't seen. Yeah, I, um, I have a pretty big list of those myself. I watched uh, Last Picture Show uh-huh, a couple years it. ago, never seen which it. is another, like, you know, one best picture. And I actually had never seen Citizen Kane up until two years ago. Oh, really? I did see that, but, like, um, a long time. Like, uh, like in Chicago, it was, like, a good ten years ago. I mean, I know, yeah. I you know, I know the, the whole... You know, Rosebud thing. I mean, I remember that. <laughs> and then, I enjoy uh, I enjoy the first half of Citizen Kane much more than the second. Yeah, you know, you know, one um, one interesting thing for me that that sort of prompted me to to dig out movies um, that I hadn't seen before. Um, I have have always been uh, a pretty big fan of the Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Sure. Um, for those who aren't familiar, it's basically it, the Mystery Science Theater three thousand was a television show. Uh, started in the '90s, early '90s, um, out of Minneapolis. Uh, picked up. Is that by, where it was started? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, they're they're still there. They're all. I mean, that's where Joel and all the that, those guys never left. I don't think. I mean, maybe some of them lived in, live in LA now, but uh, but yeah, they're in Minneapolis, and um, they uh, they started out as a, a public access television show. Um, and they basically had access to all of the, you know, so public access cable TV, you know, was filmed at this, this, you know, uh, small television station, which did all sorts of other programming. And I guess they had this giant library of movies, um, that they could play old and public domain stuff. Yeah. Old, old, old movies. A lot of them were sort of, you know, cheesy horror movies, or, yeah. you know, whatever. And, uh, this guy came up with this concept of basically watching the movies and then making fun of them you know, like riffing did, on them. Basically. Now, did they really come up with that themselves? Oh, or I don't was know. That's something from before. I, I always wondered about that. I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, they, they definitely did some things, you know, they were the first to do the whole, you know, they, they took it uh, with the puppets and the, and yeah. you know, the little, you know, uh, the, what's it called? They call it Shadorama. So the, how uh, many guys were there actually doing it? Well, there's um, the one guy who's the human, but then there's the two robot things, right? Right, right. Um, so yeah, so when you're watching the film, you, you're sitting, you know, quote unquote, you're sitting in the theater with with Joel uh, and and the two robots, uh, Crow and Tom Servo. So technically, you're, it's it's three three guys, you know, and, that, and I think that's three people is, is just the right number, uh, just the right amount. You know, too many people is it's harder to keep track of who's who. Um, but uh, what a lot of folks might not know about that is that. While there were three three voices speaking on screen, there was a, a pretty decent staff of, of writers. Um, 
uh, all of the characters, like you know, the, um, the guy who played Frank, you know, one of the, the, the two mad scientists, for example. Sure. Um, and then there's a couple of other people who are just just straight up writers, not even performers, um, or maybe they you know they helped out with other aspects of the show. But it was a group effort for sure. <clears throat> I mean, it wasn't just like one person coming up with all these jokes. And the other thing that a lot of folks don't fully realize is that these people are not just sitting there making it up, improving the whole thing. Uh, and in fact, it's it's. It's almost uh, all scripted pretty much, you know, to the minute where they, they basically watch the movie, you know, three or four times to get the feel for it. And then as they're watching it, they, 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 they jot down jokes and then they watch it together as a big group kind of assembling the best of the best. And then they basically have the script that they all go through. Um, so anyway, um, well, you what's know, really cool. One thing I'd like to say is that the yeah. I remember when the TV show started and they they have the whole intro things where they're actually yeah. showing them from in the front and they're on the spaceship and the whole thing. Yeah. And you're yeah. kind of like, do you really need that stuff? Like, whose idea was it to add all that stuff? Yeah, I think, well, I think they, they wanted to make it as accessible as possible. And there were some people who really like, like to kids and stuff. So yeah. they, I think there are definitely, you know, aspects of it that they were they were catering to a younger audience. Um, you know the puppets and stuff like that, and then and then Joel, you know that th- that was a big part of Joel's, I think, uh, persona as well as a, as a as a performer. Uh, he was really into making things, you know. So the whole th- they the first couple seasons of the show uh, had this this feature called an invention exchange, where uh, you know the mad scientists would invent something goofy and explain it, and then the, you know then Joel and the bots would do that up on the satellite. Um, but then so about five or six years into the show. Um, uh, I guess Joel just got burnt out because uh, he'd already been doing it for you know, you know the two years before the show and then uh, on Comedy Central, and uh, he he decided to to bow out, and so the guy who had been the head writer and who'd also done a bit of cameo you know bit part acting on the show like you know for for the other for the live action segments, um, it's a guy named Mike Nelson, and he took over as the as the you know the lead so to speak and then he basically finished out the show which lasted another i don't know five or six seasons i think there was 11 or 12 total uh, and they moved from comedy central to sci-fi network at the very end too for like the last few seasons uh, and i i didn't i i'll admit i haven't watched you know much of the, the the mike stuff i was a joel fan and you know and then from that point on i just got sidetracked but anyway long story short um they the, these guys are like insanely um well versed in movies and pop culture references television all that other stuff and it wasn't uncommon for them to make references um to other movies that either they had seen or they had you know you know that were that were popular and and i you know i didn't get the joke and you know it's it's really in fact that's a normal thing I, i would say if you were to sit down and watch any episode or any movie that's been riffed by these guys You'll probably get about I don't know twenty five percent of the jokes spot yeah. on uh, as far as references are concerned, um, which is kind of cool because as you get older, or as you as you you know if you come back to it a couple years later, you you can say oh now I know now I get what he's talking about you know like oh okay cool you know yeah. um, so Citizen Kane uh, was one of those movies where they you know they were making a reference to that uh, they used to they used to do uh, I guess, I guess there's this, there's a scene in Citizen Kane where they you know they pan over. Uh, there's this big aerial shot of like, um, of like a mansion or something like that. Yep. You know, and then and, and and this gag came up at least two or three times where where they'd say, you know, Xanadu, stately home of Charles Foster Kane. The cost, no man can say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I yeah I didn't know what the fuck it was from, but that that prompted me to go see Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's just just funny that that's what it comes all down to. Hey, you know. <laughs> 
Sorry, it's called circuitous conversations. No, no, it's true. And uh, now they do. Um, I remember there was a guy. This was ooh college, so ninety three. Sure. Um, there was one episode that this guy down the hall had on tape that he loved, and it was Manos, the Hands of Fate. Of course, Manos. And it's just Classic. like the whole beginning of it is just like Manos, the Hands of Fate, and yes. then somebody else goes Manos. Manos. He goes. The hands of fate. Yes, it was just like this running joke, and I remember there was this, there was a scene either in that movie or another one where it was Cleopatra looking at sort of a giant Cleopatra's needle kind of thing, mm-hmm. and they were carrying her on this. You know, it was like one of these things where they were carrying her on their shoulders. You know, on one of those big chairs, mm-hmm. and she's going and she's just kind of staring at this like this obelisk thing on the corner, mm-hmm. and, and and they just they like do an internal monologue for her, and they're like, when are they gonna invent batteries? <laughs> And I remember okay. thinking, oh, my God, that's so dirty. But at the same time, <laughs> kind of genius. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But now they, they do – are they the people who do all the things for the movies now that you can download the alternate soundtracks? They are. Well, so so just to finish up the, the, the grand explanation. explanation. Um, so, yeah, uh, after Mystery Science Theater 3000 went off the air from sci-fi, um, I guess in the early 2000s, uh, nobody was doing anything. And then in, I guess, probably about four years ago, maybe four or five years ago now, um, Mike Nelson, uh, the head writer, you know, the guy who stuck it out um, at MST3K, yeah. uh, came up with this idea um, for essentially recording an alternate commentary track, you know, riffing on the film. And I think he did it for one of the, you know, an early sci-fi film. And he, he was, I think he was doing some sort of writing, just a regular magazine writing job or copywriting job at some... Um, movie DVD, re, you know, some company that like re-released old films on DVD or something like that, and uh, so he took one of these old films and, and and recorded himself, you know, doing a bunch of gags uh, that you would essentially download, you know, as an MP3, which you download as an MP3 and then play along with the film, uh, and then he started this this site called RiffTracks uh, dot com, and the first you know for the first year or so it was just Mike, just Mike doing his thing, but as it started to gain popularity. Uh, he, you know, he was able to recruit the guys from the show, and now Riff Tracks is almost, you know, always uh, the three of them. You know, it's Riff. I'm sorry, Riff. It is Mike, um, the guy who played Tom Servo, and then the guy who replaced um, Trace. Uh, you know, the guy who, the, the last guy who played uh, Crow T Robot, um, and uh, his name is Bill. And uh, those guys are uh, really funny. And so the cool thing about Riff Tracks. Uh, and this is where I think it's it's actually kind of like a best of the best is that uh, one of the, the things about with Mystery Science Theater 3000, the show, there were licensing and, and, and copyright laws that, sure. you know, kept them from doing certain things. In fact, some episodes, some of the early episodes, some of my favorite episodes from like seasons two and three of the, the of MST3K uh, aren't available because the licenses on those sh- on those movies went up, you know, or, and they, they weren't able to renew them or whatever. Right. So there's a couple of sort of long lost episodes, which are still obviously available from fan, you know, people have taped them you can and, find them. and code. Yeah. But, but you can't buy them from like Amazon or whatever. Um, so what these guys did was, was by just releasing the audio track, they're not there. There's no movie manipulation at all. They're, they're not showing the movie. They're just, they're just recording their voices. So that means that they could record a, a, a playback track to go along with any movie. Right. And and then they they just went nuts and they started picking out you know crappy movies like you know Roadhouse, 
uh, or you know, Cocktail, starring Tom Cruise. Uh, um, and then they also picked out like like movies that everybody loves, you know, like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and and Keanu Reeves films like The Matrix and Point Break. Um, and and it's it's just tons of fun. And I, I've I've seen a, just a ton of them. And and so now that's another thing that's sort of like prompting me to rewatch a film it's like oh okay well i've seen that movie a bunch of times but i'll i'll watch it again you know with with the riff tracks sure or it's like oh man i would never you know you'd have to drag me kicking and screaming to go see that film but if they did a riff tracks for it like for example the twilight series you know i would never i would never want to you know actually spend the time watching those by myself or with a friend for but real. watch somebody making fun of them but but i'll, I'll definitely download the riff tracks because they're they're a hoot now it's, it's can you get anywhere just a quick aside that's related uh-huh. Um, like one thing I did like about getting discs versus downloading or getting the movies that you could get the the other tracks, you know, the the, like the commentary content. and whatnot. Sure, sure. Are there places illegal or legal to actually get commentary tracks to play along with movies? Well, um, if you're talking about like Usenet and that whole thing, yeah. Um, generally speaking. Uh, in order to get that content, you have to step up to the full download the whole disc, the full either the full disc rip or what some people are doing now. There's there's a nifty video format uh, called MKV, sure, um, which bundles in you know the subtitles for the various languages and yeah. any alternate soundtracks that might be available. So if it's dubbed or or you know if there's yeah. a fr- you know French version or you want to hear yeah. the director there's con- plenty so, of stuff that I get that have multiple soundtracks but they're usually Spanish or French they're not right. like commentary yeah well some I mean I'm saying that that's that's usually how it works and then but your best bet is to, is to just find a full-on you know yeah. un, uh, what they call untouched you know DVD rip the other um, thing when you're listening to the riff tracks uh-huh. when do you start do, do they tell you when to start yeah they do um uh, what they do is they they, they there's a little uh, one of the yeah, I guess one of the guys on the team uh, has a little voice um, distorted, you know, distortion effect on his voice. Yeah. Uh, he plays the character of Disembodio, and he basically, I, I would say, once every ten minutes or so, um, will will say a line from like along you know, from from the movie along with the person who's yeah, in it. So you know, uh, so you know, you know if you're in sync. Um, and what they do is, so you you put the you put the MP3, you put the movie up. Either it's a you know, obviously it's a DVD or a, or if it's a if you have a, a an encoding of it, a divx of it or whatever. Um, you get that ready to go. You start playing the MP3, and then they you know they, they do a little bit of you know chatter or whatever in the beginning. Sure. And then they say, okay, um, when you see the the Paramount logo disappear, as soon as you see the dis- the Paramount logo disappear unpause this track so gotcha. start playing yeah, the movie yeah, yeah. until you see this and then as soon as you do that blah 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 and okay that's how i was wondering how they yeah do that. and that's okay. how they do it the um i'll have to check and see if some of my favorite movies are on there, there you, there's yeah there's a big catalog man they've got do you remember um heather and i watched it last summer i made her watch the manhattan project oh yeah i love that movie Oh, it's such a fantastic movie. Fucking Kid John Lithgow. steals plutonium and yeah, builds man. an atomic bomb. Like, there's nothing fucking, better than that. He replaces it with fucking VO5, man. Yeah. Vidal Sassoon. <laughs> I don't know why, and it's it's kind of screwy that I like that movie as much as I do, but there's what? something about, like, the super smart kid actually being able to... Like, it's it's that whole sort of hacker... Not hacker as in, like, break into, but just no, sort of, the, like... The true putting, definition of hacker, yeah. Yeah. There's like th- just that concept, of like, oh, I'm a smart kid. I can figure this out. I can read and I can build this, and nothing can stop me because I can figure it out. Yeah. Um, oh man, I love that movie. That's a great story too, man. I mean, because you know, it, it, it sort of embraces the whole, you know, uh, adolescent um, what invulnerability thing. Yeah. You know, like the you know the whole you know when we're kids, you don't necessarily have a full 
grasp of the consequences of what your actions are. You know, yeah. I'd say the, the, it, and Lithgow is fantastic in that movie. Yeah, he was great. You know, he's just like, I bet you I could blow the whole place up, <laughs> even after you shoot me. <laughs> or no, no, it's I could blow this all to hell. Uh huh. Even after you shoot me. Yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty excellent in that movie. Anyway, I just uh, I wanted to put that out there. So, if anybody listening hasn't seen the Manhattan Project, yeah. I think it was on Netflix, wasn't it, Heather? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was on Netflix. So uh, go pick it up and and watch because it's pretty genius. Um, yeah, great film. Uh, what was the other one I was thinking about? Oh, and the other movie I can't ever turn off if it comes on. Yeah, Hunt for Red October. Oh, you know I'm overdue on that. Uh, I've only seen it maybe once. I've seen oh. it probably. Tw- Twice, but not like once all the way through when it first came out. That was with a, with a skinny Alec Baldwin, right? Yeah, that movie is just excellent. Like I could watch that. I've probably watched it fifty or sixty times. Wow! Yikes! Yeah, That's I've seen lot. that movie a ton. That's it's a one lot. of those movies that I know almost every line to. Wow. Okay. You know. Yeah. yeah. Hunt for Red October's killing. Um, <laughs> you know, there's. It's funny there because the beginning, <clears throat> Connery is you know this uh, sub captain, this Russian sub captain. Yep. And they have this political guy, the KGB guy, comes into his office, and they're going to open up their the plans for the mission, and uh, and it's all overdubbed, it's all in Russian, and then there's like subtitles, and they have him reading a passage from some book, the the KGB guy, and they zoom in on his mouth, and like just as they're about to reach his mouth, he switches from speaking Russian to speaking English. Huh. And they pan back out. It was just like their kind of way of switching over so they didn't have to do subtitles the whole time. Huh. That's clever. And it's one of those things where, like, the first time, I don't think I even noticed that's what happened. Yeah. You know, because it was just kind of so smooth. Yeah. But if you watch it now, you'll notice it. Like, all of a sudden, he starts speaking English, and you go, oh, look at he's speaking English. Yeah. And uh, it was just a, a, it was a neat way of doing it, you know? Yeah. I, I, I've always had issues with, with languages in film and television. Yeah. Um, you know, be it from, like, uh, it's like... One of my pet peeves is like when when they have, you know, it's like a World War II movie, right? And it's like like here's a great example. I think an example of the way it's supposed to go, yeah, would be uh, Quentin Tarantino's um, Inglorious Bastards. Okay, yeah, have you seen that? Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's got three or four different languages in it, and if 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 there's no English being spoken, you get subtitles, and the characters mm-hmm. speak in the languages that they're speaking yeah. for real, and it it looks and feels a hundred percent authentic. Yeah. But then you go and you look at um, a movie like, jeez, uh, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but th- this is the way that you know they do it all the time. I would I was going to say Hogan's Heroes, but that's that's a comedy. But the point is, when you have hey, a, speaking of Hogan's Heroes, the well, let me uh, finish. The this guy set. who played Hogan was born in my father's house that he grew up in. Huh. Just a little Bob Crane. Anyway, Weird. go ahead. So yeah, no. What I'm talking about is is when they um, when they have like a, a German guy, you know. So he and he's not, you know, they don't want to speak German, but he'll speak English with a German accent. Sure. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, ah, you know, are, are you thinking, you know, uh, what did that is uh, that you ever see that Tom Cruise movie Valkyrie? I did not see it. Was it any good? Uh, well, it did. It had that problem for one. Okay. Um, so it was whatever. You know, everybody loves a, a good hey, Hitler, Hitler you know, story. Sean sure. Connery's supposed to be a Russian, you know, sub captain, and he speaks with a English. Russian accent, right? Yeah. Yeah. I no, just... he he speaks with a Scottish accent, of course. <laughs> right. Even worse. Even worse. Which, by the way, you know, there's a funny part at the end of that movie where the Americans come on board the Red October, and they're all standing like kind of lines in front of each other. You know, like right. one on one side of the room, the other, the other. Right. And it becomes a problem that they had the Russians start speaking English because they start talking to each other and one of the guys are translating, you know, 
Uh-huh. And you're just kind of like, wait, are they speaking English to each other? Or are they speaking... You know what I mean? Like, it becomes this kind of like... Wait, did he not understand what he was saying? Or was he... Yeah. Act, you know, it, you get a little bit of that. Yeah, So, what movies from, say, late 80s, early 90s, mid 80s are, like, kind of winners for you? Uh, well, I, if I had to... Like, you, you mentioned the, the, you know, the category... Or whatever, the criteria being, like, <clears throat> when it comes on, you pretty much have to watch it. Yeah. Um, the first film that comes to mind for me would be Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Sure, can't go wrong with that. Yeah, uh, that that film... It's just so so darn fun, man. You know, yeah. um, and, and I did. Is just that watch the case it. for all the John Hughes movies? Um, not all of them. Because I watched The Breakfast Club for the first time in like fifteen years the other day. Yeah, not the other day, about recently, six months ago. Yeah, and uh, it was okay, but it wasn't great. Yeah, it was. You know, it, it's not. I wouldn't say it's my favorite. I mean, had, I think uh, Ferris Bueller it? holds up better than the other ones do. Yeah, Ferris Bueller, I think, is is the is the sort of the crown jewel or you know the top of the list for me. Yeah, we may get some pushback on that because uh-huh. there's a lot of Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles fans in the world. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> um, he was okay. All right. So, what other than Ferris Bueller? Uh, is it, wait, is that now? Can, let me ask you a question. Is that because you lived in Chicago for a while? No, dude, I lived in New Jersey when I saw that movie. Man. Okay, I was, I was wondering that, was, if that it came was out in like thing. what eighty six or so eighty five. I think it was eighty six. Yeah, and <clears throat> I was in you know fifth or sixth grade at that point. So no, I mean, it was fun for me to see it, having lived in Chicago for so long. Um, after the fact, you know, where I could recognize all that stuff, and, and and then actually, you know, as I got older, I'm like, okay, well, that's not technically plausible. You know, they really couldn't make it from all the way over here to all the way over there, you know, in this amount of time. Yeah. Um, but it was it was still pretty fun yeah they're all like crazy across town right yeah well there's a lot of running around um yeah well that's the case with any of those movies yeah same thing with all the new york movies um yeah right new york York it's like look they're in rockefeller and all of a sudden they're down by city hall and you're like hey look it's the statue of liberty okay nicely done (laughs) yeah um geez I can't think of any other. I'm I'm really bad at this part, man. Uh, when it comes, like I've get I get into these conversations with people about, hey, what's your favorite this or that, and I don't I don't ever like think of I I don't have like this this grand list of top five favorite this or that. You know, I I'll, I mean I could talk about stuff and I, I like a bunch of stuff, but I never really get to the point of like <laughs> saying this is my absolute favorite this. You know? Yeah. Like I don't have a favorite band. I don't have a favorite movie. I don't have a, fav- a favorite food. <laughs> you know? There's just Stuff that I'm in the mood for, stuff that I like a lot, you know. But my tastes yeah. seem to uh, seem to sh- uh, they to tend to shift. Did you ever see a movie called Beautiful Girls? I don't think so. Who's That's in another, it? Another um, Natalie Portman at age thirteen. Um, uh, what's his uh, uh, Timothy Hutton? Mm. No, I don't and think so. You should put that on your list too. Beautiful uh, Girls, huh? Beautiful Girls. It's uh, Timothy Hutton is living in New York. He's like a piano player. Uh, in the opening scene, he's like gets on a bus to go back to his hometown, mm. where everyone's kind of like all these like townies, you know, in Western Massachusetts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like it's all it's all him trying to decide whether he's gonna marry this girl and quote unquote grow up. And you know, some of the people there haven't grown up. Some of them are married with kids. And but the 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 um, and he meets the next door neighbor who is Natalie Portman. Yeah, and she's just adorable as like a young Natalie Portman uh-huh. and he basically falls in love with her because she's, she's like smart and like you know totally gets him you know it's that whole thing uh-huh. um, but uh, it's it's just really well written it's like one of those uh, Michael Rappaport's in it you know that guy yeah sure I love that yeah. guy he's funny. so 
You know what else is good? Catch Me If You Can. Good movie. Yeah, that's a fun one. I watched that. That's not much of an 80s film, obviously. But uh, No, I just, uh, you know, I was just thinking about that as a... You know, you know what I will say, though? I have, I've, I have gotten into conversations with people about um, movies. I, I can narrow down to specific, like, directors, composers, and writers... For example, uh, I think it's pretty safe to say anything with John Horner doing the music. <laughs> well, n- not so much that, but uh, I-, I am a big fan of Danny Elfman's work and John Williams's okay. work. So I, you know that that that's enough. Like if I see, see to me, I don't. You're right, and <laughs> what do you mean I'm right? It's my opinion. <laughs> no, 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 no. I I I understand what you're saying, and yeah. my my friend Andy is like right there with you. Uh huh. I like I I love Williams, but Danny Elfman, I'm not a big fan of. Okay. Like I, it, to me, it's like I don't understand how you could like both of those because they're like so completely different. Well, I also like you know Mark Mothersbaugh too. I was going to say those are my top three favorites. Um, I will you know I I will have there's a few films that I saw just because I saw those guys' names on the poster or you know in the credits. Yeah, um, just to sort of see what they're. I mean, that's rare. I mean, it's like you know uh, I'm a big Aaron Sorkin fan. Sure, I'll go see anything that Aaron Sorkin writes. Sure, um, but a lot of people have no idea who writes any of these things. You no, know? It's, it's sad. It's true. Um, um, and I, I remember I was listening to an Aaron's uh, podcast where Aaron Sorkin was giving a, it was like a Q&A thing. One of those, did you ever listen to... Uh, Creative Screenwriter? This? Yeah. Yeah. You're, did you listen to the one with Aaron Sorkin? I did. It was pretty good. Anyway, there's part of it where he's just like, I, I don't know what happened when movies became the director's medium and not the writer's medium. Like, if you go see a play, right. it's written by, you know, whoever. You know, it's, it's yeah, a Shakespeare the, the, play. The it's not like sure. the director. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, he's just like, and I, I don't know when it became a director's medium, but I'm sure it was a director who did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which that's true. But it was kind of an interesting thing because the things that I like about an American president or uh, uh, um, what's the the Facebook movie one, Social Network, mm-hmm. it's it's the writing. It's not the acting or the directing. You it's know, true. No, it, it's the it, banter. It's why I like the West Wing. It's you know what I mean. Yeah, and then you have guys like uh, the Coen Brothers who yeah. do the combo, where that you know it's yep. written and directed by those guys and paid for, you know, produced by those dudes. Um, and I think it's pretty safe to say that, uh, and just about every film that those guys have made. Well, I've seen them all. I think I, I don't. I want to. I don't think there's a single Coen Brothers film that I haven't seen. I actually just picked up like the last one that yeah, was, was. What was the recent one? For me, it was Miller's Crossing. Okay, I didn't see that. No, but there's a more recent one in the theaters. Oh, the most recent. Coen it came Brothers? after No Country. There was a newer one, right? Um, I'll tell you, I saw No Country, and it wasn't what I was expecting. Uh huh. Because it's really kind of dark. I, I want to say uh, the successor to No Country was was a serious man. The the one about the the Jewish guy could be. Um, that came, and then there's another one after that too. Okay, oh, then there was so obviously there's two. True. Then there was True Grit. Was the most. Oh, True one. Grit is the one I didn't see. Yeah. <clears throat> but I will say that um, I I think their movies are really well done. Mm-hmm. I don't need to watch them more than once. Okay, yeah, I would say that about a, a handful of them as well. There's a couple that do really hold up, though. Another fun like, classic one for me. I'm not a big me. Lebowski fan. Okay, I, I like Lebowski. Like, what about- I saw it, and I saw it like recently, like in the last couple of years, and I was kind of like, this is what everyone says is such a fantastic movie. <laughs> I, it, it, maybe it's one of those things where it's like if you were watching it in the 90s, it like got ingrained more. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was. It, it was just such a fun. I, I, I don't know. I really liked it. There's some so so many memorable characters, and and the way the the the. Just the way it was put together, you know, I, I just sure. really, I really liked it. Um, the other film of theirs that I think holds up to multiple viewings is the uh, the Hudsucker Proxy. That's a fun. Oh, one. I haven't seen that in years. Oh, that's a good one. 
yeah. No, that that is a good one. How how do you feel about? Um, I mean, we we talked about um, what's it called? Um, uh, 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 Tarantino. How do yeah. you, how, how do you feel about his movies in general? I I, I don't think there's a single one I haven't seen. Uh, I I though I will say that I don't. He has this sort of. Uh, one of one of his roots is is in the whole seventies horror grindhouse grungy yeah. gory thing, and I, I'm not a big uh, I'm not a big violence you know blood and guts kind of guy. Violence um, for violence' sake. Yeah, I mean, I, don't get me like, wrong. Like, like the the scene at the end of Kill Bill One, where she's just hacking it, people apart. It, yeah, and it's like okay, I get it. He, and he, and what's cool about that is he's just paying homage. You know, he's just he's sort sure. of like doing it because that's that's what he he was into. But uh, I, I could do without that. That's do you fine. think? But, do you think he's the genius people make him out to be, or do you think he's just grabbing stuff that he's seen a billion times and remaking it new? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, his his films uh, stand up on their own, and they're they're entertaining, man. I mean, the guy knows how to put a, a movie together. I mean, the dialogue is good, the music is good, the pacing is good. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the first people to, I think, um, with with Pulp Fiction, um, the whole you know time displacement storytelling thing i mean that that, that's a new device but he definitely like shoved that way back up onto the list you know of a lot of people like that yeah that was that's a device that's used all the time now you know not a big fan of that movie i don't Uh, like i don't like movies where you watch people shoot up heroin i just have a weird (laughs) thing about people shooting up drugs okay yeah i can i can get that i'm Um, I'm not a big fan either but uh well how how do you feel about spielberg films Love Steven Spielberg, man. That guy knows how to make a movie. You know, I mean, especially the, I'm talking about like like classics nowadays. The problem with Spielberg is because he's gotten so damn big, his name gets stuck on all bunch, of, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. But if you, if you if we're talking about stuff that Steven Spielberg actually like wrote, directed, like actually you know had his yeah. hands on and did. Yep. Uh, generally speaking, I'm gonna be you know I'm definitely gonna see it, and, and there's a good chance that I'll like it. Yeah. Um, I think the last one that I can remember that that he did that didn't do as well as people liked was the the War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise. Sure, I thought that was a good one, man. I thought that held up pretty well. It wasn't bad. You, yeah. you know what it is with Spielberg is that you can't even if you don't like them, um, you can't you, say that they're bad. Right? You can't say that they're poorly done. Yeah, you know, like he and you know, I think I got in a fight about this with Claude one time. We'll have to see if Claude agrees because <laughs> I because I think I said that to Claude and he was like, eh. Yeah, and I was like, no, because I mean, the people he has working on his pictures—the cinematographers, the editors, the special sure. effects people—these are like the best of the best. Yeah, yeah, you know. So it's kind of like if 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 I don't know, it's just he's smart because he gets good people. You know, that's true, and he you um, know, he knows how to get a good performance out of people too. Yeah, although the last Indiana Jones movie, Ugh. yeah, well, you know. I know. But, you know, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, like all the other ones from the 80s, like the blockbusters. I Fucking mean, <clears throat> Indiana Jones, dude. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Yeah. You really can't go wrong. That's a, that's um, another 80s. That, we'll put that right up there on the on the list of films for me that I can't, that I'll watch every time is Indiana Jones, uh, the first one. I'll um, watch, you know what I, I love? Raiders of the Lost with, Ark. My problem with a lot of movies like that is that I love the exposition scenes. Uh-huh. You know the scenes of the the scene at the beginning when the the two guys from the CIA are there and they're on stage and he's got the uh, the blackboard and he turns it over to draw the thing and he's just like no it's in this book and he opens up the book like you know yeah those parts I love that stuff sure I'm much more into that than I am the running around and fighting stuff no I, I can I can agree with that um like the the and the scene like in in Iron Man the newer one like him building the suit 
Yeah. I could watch that for days. Yeah, that was fun. I don't need to watch him killing people as much. Like, that That doesn't do any, do as much for me. You know, it's just kind of funny. Yeah. Um, it's just very, very odd that way. Uh, what about uh, um, Boogie Nights Magnolia? What's his name? P.T. Anderson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I've seen all his films. He's only got, like, four or five. Yeah, what, those two, Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love, and then uh, I think that he did There Will Be Blood with Daniel Day-Lewis. Which I haven't watched that one. Oh, you should check it out. I have it sitting here. I just haven't gotten around to watching yeah. it. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely worth watching. Uh, well, I mean, Dan- I, here's an example. Dude, Daniel Day-Lewis, man. Well, that guy's a monster. Dude, he he's an example of someone who just does not fuck around. I mean, no. that guy makes you know pretty serious commitments to the, the the parts that he picks. And he's not like one of these people who's been in a million things. No. Nope. But, but the five or six things that he's been in, he fucking nails it, man. Oh, yeah. I, his his uh, uh, bill... You know, oh, yeah. Bill name. the Butcher from fucking uh, from the Gangs yeah. of New York. Yeah, he, th- that's that a scary character. Dude. Still scared. Like I watch that movie, and even though I can see him, and it's like, oh, it's Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Still scares the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a that's a great character, man. Like it, I feel like if you met him in the street, he could do that, and he'd actually cut your heart out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like he's just got that way about him because he's so intense. Right. Um. Yeah, oh man, that's freaky. And you know, it's funny because uh, Magnolia, I remember seeing it with this girl I was dating at the time up in Boston, and I remember walking out of there thinking, wow, I felt like I just had a two-hour panic attack. (laughs) Wow. Because those movies, they just have that weird sort of like, everything's always like right on the edge and really emotionally intense and, and like slightly awkward relationships and everyone's kind of broken and on the edge of breaking you know what i'm talking about i i mean in that particular film i do i know exactly <laughs> yeah that, what you're talking i mean about. that sure. film is just it's like so close to the edge of of sanity yeah well that was also so well well cast man i mean everybody oh, yeah. everybody who was in that was did a really great job no absolutely but it's just kind of funny to me like i watch that movie now i'm like oh man i i wasn't a big fan of boogie nights but i guess that was i i didn't think that what's his name was a very good actor in that film mark Wahlberg. yeah like everyone's like, oh, he's so fantastic. It's like, no, he's actually really bad. And maybe it works because he's supposed to be a bad actor. Right. And like I think a that's dumb part kid. Of it. That's part but of it. But like, it's kind of like, well, then that just kind of works because it got lucky. Kind of like. But that's, uh, but that's the, I, that's the well, brilliance of casting, though. That's well, yeah, what makes it. I guess it. so. But it's like January Jones. I, I think that she probably is a lot like Betty Draper. Yeah, of course. And that, that, that doesn't mean she's a good actress. It's just. No, that's good that casting. Kind of it's good and, casting. That's yeah, what it's guess, all about. I guess you're right. Yeah. But it's like you can't give her credit for being a good actress. Why you not? Know? She's, it's not like she fucked it up. I mean, you know. I she's, know. She's just being her. Yeah. That's um, fine. I don't know. It's just kind of a weird thing for me. Okay. Uh, it's like I, if, it, if you're going to be doing it, I want it to be a craft. I see what you're saying. I don't know. That's all I say. Hey, uh, really bad sci-fi, sci-fi movie that I really enjoy? Uh-huh. The Core. Really? Yeah. You know that film? Unobtainium? Yes. Ugh. It's terrible, but I it's know. completely like it's that is a fun movie. All right, you're not saying that's a fun movie. I I, I just actually I did just watch it again within the past year or two um, because of Unobtainium. What was the other <clears throat> film that made that Unobtainium? There was seen? some recent one um, that had Unobtainium in it. What was it? Um, at least, but at least in in the core, he's just like the real compound is 47 syllables. I just call it Unobtainium. Right. Well, so yeah. it's not. It's a, there's a little bit of a. Tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah. What about uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Clint Eastwood as a director. 
you know, he's he's definitely had a, a bunch of home runs, man. Uh, Did I, you I, watch Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from Iwo Jima? I didn't see those two. I did see. Some you of need his- to watch Letters from Iwo Jima. Yeah, it is heavy, oh, but like incredibly <laughs> well done. Okay, and it's better than Flags of Our Fathers. Well, I didn't see that one either. Um, yeah, I, I like a lot of his uh, earlier stuff. You know, not earlier, but the, his early stuff as director. Yeah. Um, which with the one where he plays, I mean, it, it's part of it's fun because you know he he's writing these things that he for himself. So yeah. you know he plays the aging you know thief or the aging cop. And he does or it the so aging well. Whatever, yeah, and he's really fun. I mean, I I loved. I thought um, what's Space it Cowboys, Grand Torino, oh. Space Cowboys. Uh, did he direct that? Really? No, I don't think he did. He just acted. No. But it's that a, was, uh, that's an, uh, a fun movie too. I don't know. I don't it's terrible, but it's yeah. Fun. I, what's the one where he play, where he plays a thief and and then I think that his daughter is in it or something like that. Um, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Right, where he now. has to break into some place and steal something. Um, that was a pretty good one. Um, Which one is that? I don't remember. Uh, it was one of the first ones that he directed, though. I remember. Uh, maybe it had the word me. blood in it. I can't remember. But um, let's look up. He's got director. Had the uh, word blood in it, huh? I don't know. Maybe not. There's blood work, but that's not that old. I don't think. Well, uh, maybe Heartbreak Ridge. No, no. I don't know. Uh, well, we'll have to find out and put it in the show notes. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, I just love the idea that, like, even in Gran Torino, it's he's he's directing and he's acting, and he's yeah. being so Clint Eastwood as the character, <laughs> yeah. and you're just thinking to yourself, in his head, he's just like, all right. I got to turn on Clint Eastwood. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that, there's something about that that just kills me. Like yeah. the idea that he's thinking about being Clint Eastwood. Because apparently, like, he's super cool guy otherwise. Well, he's like a musician, too. Did you, you know he wrote the tune? He wrote and played the, 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 the tune that played over the closing credits? Yeah. yeah. And, and what was I? I was watching something recently. He's like a big jazz fan. I think it was the Grand... Whoever... Is it the guy who wrote Grand Torino? Some movie that some guy was working on, it might have actually been on that same podcast, where mm. he was he was saying how he went to Clint Eastwood's house uh-huh. and uh, to talk about it, like it was supposed to be like this meeting, whatever it is, and he was all nervous, and he shows up with the script, and and he goes in, and like the housekeeper lady or his assistant or whoever it was was like, oh, well, sit down, you know, he'll be he'll be out in a few minutes, like whatever, and so he sits down at the kitchen table, and Clint Eastwood comes out and like offers him tea and sits down with tea and like and there's all these kids running around because Clint Eastwood's like grandkids are around and sure and he loves kids apparently hmm. and uh and so they're sitting there talking and Clint Eastwood goes yeah I love your movie uh I think we should make it uh we should get started in like 12 weeks and then like just got up and walked out of the room and the assistant was like yeah your move the, the meeting's over you're all done yeah <laughs> the guy was just like what just happened I don't understand Nice, and it was like this whole like just he, apparently he's like crazy kind of Buddhist relaxed guy. I believe it, which is just kind of the opposite of what you would think, you know. Um, well, the, from, uh, from when he was younger, I guess. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, movies with writers, I like. Did you see that? Uh, who's the guy who does who did Hot Fuzz and those with Simon Pegg? The guy who did Scott Pilgrim. Uh, I don't know. Off the top of my head. Um, Hold on a second. I will find out. And everyone else is yelling at us right now. Edgar Wright? Uh, I don't know the name. Okay. So Edgar Wright, who wrote uh, Hot Fuzz and uh, Shaun of the Dead and all the, and did the screenplay for Scott Pilgrim, I think. Okay. Um, I like those. Like that. Yeah. Um, 
Actually, let's see what he wrote. He wrote Scott Pilgrim. He wrote Hot Fuzz. He wrote um, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. So he's like Simon Pegg. The, the other guy other than Simon Pegg who actually does the work in those movies. Uh-huh. Um, so he's working on a new movie called The Adventures of Tintin. Oh, of course. Which is, I don't know if you know that. That's a European comic book that's, you know, it's been yeah. around since the 60s. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know. You talk right. to guys our age, you know, from Europe, and then everybody knows who Tintin. Everyone is. knows what this is. Yeah. yeah. Well, the cool thing about it is that Stephen Moffat co-wrote it with him, and Stephen Moffat is um, the guy who runs Doctor Who now, who wrote mm. all of the best Doctor Who episodes. He's like this hotshot writer, and it's directed by Spielberg. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Isn't that weird. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, it's supposed someone, to be out this December. Someone posted this um, really nice little mockery mock-up like they basically took uh tintin uh the tintin style and made like movie posters they, the one that they had on the web was uh this awesome like tintin as as han solo you know <laughs> and, and snowy was snowy's his dog uh as uh as chewbacca shooting and there was the cantina scene from star wars you know okay that's pretty funny shooting greedo yeah there's a couple of them i can't remember the other ones but uh i'll see if i can find it and put a link in okay yeah um what do you think about Steve, uh david mamet movies uh, you know, he's like pretty good, heist man. And, uh, we watched, uh, Claude was over here a couple of months ago and we watched heist. Cause apparently it's Claude's one of Claude's favorite movies. Which one is heist again? The one with Gene Hackman and, uh, and, and Ricky J. Ricky J. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched that recently too. That's a, that's a fun one. I always Claude's get heist and the score mixed up cause they're too similar. Yeah. 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 The score um, is with, uh, what's his name? Um, with Robert from, De Niro and yeah. Ed Norris. Uh, yeah. Not Ed Norris. Yeah. Is Ed uh, Norton. Ed Norton and uh, Marlon Brando. I think that was actually Marlon Brando's final film before he died. I think it was, yeah. Um, but the heist is heist is really good. Just the yeah. whole like, see at the meat. You know what? You know what my problem with that is? What? Um, Mammoth's wife, Pigeon. Yeah, yeah. You don't she like her? Just, no, she just. But do bugs you like her in State and Maine? I didn't see it in State and Maine. Oh, State and Maine's a great movie. You know, like, you, you don't have to see State and Maine. All right. Put the, on your other, list. the other show that, that so there's a television show that he actually had a pretty heavy hand in, what called uh, the Unit. Okay. Um, which I think was on CBS for about four or five seasons. I like that show. It was a really interesting show. Um, it was you know dr- drama show, drama action about um, this you know special ops kind of black ops military outfit, um, and you know it, rather than being just like a shoot 'em up action you know, all action show and don't get me wrong. There's plenty of that. They actually spent a pretty considerable amount of time developing the characters in the soldiers families. So, you know, they, they had their wives and their kids and the, you know, the various dynamics and stuff like that, which, uh, which is pretty cool. And she plays a character, a recurring character in that show. And that was what first sort of got her under my skin. And then when I saw that movie again, I'm like, Oh my God, this woman. Yeah. She's okay, but yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, you have to, you should see State in Maine because it's it's like a comedy kind of thing, but a big ensemble cast. Yeah, um, and like Alec Baldwin's in it playing this like guy, and and William H Macy's this director, and they're up in this like little town in the middle of nowhere in like New Hampshire making this movie. And oh, you know that sounds familiar. I think I you might may have, have seen, seen it. it already. But yeah. it's 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 a good movie. Yeah. Um, do, He's a little crazy when you see him talking though, uh, <laughs> Mamet. Are you a fan of, um, of of the Usual Suspects? Um, I've seen it once. Oh, really? Only yeah. once? Okay. You know, well, what, definitely... you know what else I haven't seen is Reservoir Dogs. I never saw. Uh, well, Reservoir Dogs isn't as 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 
much of a movie that really holds up to multiple viewings. I mean, The Usual Suspects, like, you have to see it twice. You have to see it once to get the ah, and then again to see the, you know, to actually to, to appreciate see what it. was actually going on. Like, is yeah. it you catch more in the second viewing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, because isn't he making up, like, the whole story based on stuff in the room and stuff like that? That's part of it, yeah. 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 You know, what about movies that, like, are huge that didn't get... Did you see Crazy Heart? Nope. Which one is that? That's the one with Jeff Bridges, one a couple of years ago, where he's kind of like a old, beat-up country star who's kind of down on his luck and nope. meets Maggie Gyllenhaal, my next-door neighbor. Nope. All right. Maggie Gyllenhaal lives next door to you? Not next door. She lives like a few blocks down now. Huh. How about that? Yeah. Apparently she hangs out at some coffee shop down on Fifth Avenue. Right on. Now, do, do you keep all of these movies that you get, or do you... <laughs> no. You don't. You don't keep. I st- well, I st- like uh, yeah. I we. I'm, I guess we weren't having. I can't remember if we were having this chat before. You keep the NZBs. Yeah, I just. I mean, nowadays, since since my Usenet provider Giga News, um, has pretty much indefinite retention. I yeah. think they they they've stopped throwing things away like as of th- three years ago. Um, it doesn't make sense, you know. I mean, I'll just I'll hold on if I want to get it again. As long as I have a fast enough internet connection, I'll just download it again. Hey, you know that reminds me, your Giga News account. Mm-hmm. You have the $17 diamond plan? No, the one below the highest one. I, I have the one that without all the SSL and VPN crap. I think it's, okay. tw- I want to say it's $24 a month. Okay, no, no, oh, well, there's now an unlimited plan with all the SSL and everything for $17 a month. Oh, really? I should check yeah. it out. Yeah. Okay, I was just wondering, because uh, the one I'm on now is like this super news one, but it's only like 10 bucks a month. So spending 18 is kind of like, all right, well, I'm spending twice as much. Do I get that much for that? Mm. You know, mm. um, just interesting. We're going to have a hard time making up the show notes for this one. I've been taking notes. Oh, you have been? Yeah. Okay. For both of us or just you? No, for both of us. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, yeah. So the, any movies that we haven't talked about that is just like must-sees for you? Uh, must-sees. Oh, I, I, here's a question for you. Yeah, sure. Die-hard movies in <laughs> order of best to worst. Okay. Um... You know, I, I don't. I don't think you can really argue with the first one being the best. Okay. I mean that that, that there, that's just a, a great action flick. You know, it's a great film. Yeah. Yeah, and then I don't think I've seen the, the others enough times to rate them all in in any kind of order. I well, let's put it this way: the the one that I remember and like the next best was probably the one with uh, was I think it was the latest one it was with okay. Tim, Timothy Oliphant and Kevin yeah. Smith and. That awesome presidential montage thing. All the fantastic. Yeah. Now that's another actor that just rubs me the wrong way. I do not like that guy. He <laughs> don't. No. He pisses me off. Because Kevin Smith doesn't like him. No, I, I, I didn't even know that. If that's true, um, I'm not a huge fan of Kevin Smith as an actor either. To be honest with you. Oh no, um, he's not a great actor. Although he, it's funny. He was in uh, that movie Catch and Release. Yeah. Well, that's where they met. The, the two yeah. of those guys were in that film. Yeah. And uh, he's pretty good in that movie. Uh-huh. He's good in like a supporting role. Well, yeah, I think he's good as, at himself. I mean, he's another one of those actors yeah, that he, pretty he much can Chris play plays himself, himself really well, and that's it. <coughs> All right, how about Bond movies? Oh boy, have you been listening to the talk show? <laughs> I sometimes Gruber drives me nuts, so I can't <laughs> I go, listen to a lot oh, of man, Gruber. I can only imagine how much Gruber drives you nuts. <laughs> you know what's amazing about Gruber's? I mean, not only his like completely like I don't care about anything but what Apple does, and he, he kind of talks like this, you know. Yeah, he's definitely um, deadpan. So there's there's that. Mm-hmm. But then there's the fact that he's like got a lot of software knowledge. 
Well, he, he you know, his claim to fame, one of the things yeah. that he did that that's still ridiculous. The Markdown so thing? Yeah, Markdown, dude. He came right. up with that shit. Right. Okay. So he's got, like, pretty serious software chops. But I then say some, that. I okay. Mean, well, he's, he's, he... He did. You know, okay. He did. Okay. But at and the he, same time, yeah. him and Dan Benjamin yeah. often make really stupid statements about hardware <laughs> or don't know anything <laughs> about, you know, they were like... How many cores can you get in a Mac Pro? Like four, six? <laughs> and I'm like, are you yeah. kidding me? Well, they're not hardware you guys, guys. I know, but like, you're talking about Mac stuff all day long. Every yeah, single freaking show on Five by Five is about Macintosh. No, it's not. The no. Kind of, they are. No, whatever. Well, there's like <laughs> ten or twelve shows, and I think that maybe half of them are. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, um, that's actually a pretty accurate. Uh, representation, if you're asking me, of of a, of what a gen you know a general Macintosh customer is like. Yeah, and, most and, most Apple and, customers don't fucking care. You know, I know, but that but it, but that's I guess that's one of the things that bothers me about yeah. that because because then they'll stand up and say, oh, they're so much better hardware wise. It's like you don't even know, you have no idea what's in your computer. I know. I know, you get upset about that sort of that thing. stuff. Just drives me nuts. Yeah, Gruber drives me nuts. Um. <laughs> Like, I, I, I don't think that, you know, because people are, like, kind of, like, get down and, like, kiss his ass about his writing and stuff. And it's like, his writing is not that good. Well, I mean, I mean... it's fine, but it's not like there are a dozen other guys who are just as good at writing that crap, you know? Um, I don't think his insights are that, you know, prognosticating. No, he's he's got good instincts. Uh, he tends to, to have a pretty consistently um, accurate uh, prediction... <clears throat> Whatever yeah. you want to call it, prediction streak. There's just something about him that just sounds like he's kind of an ass. Well, he, he is a little, you know, I think he comes off a little pretentious, you know. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's what happens when, oh, well, think about it. Put yourself in his shoes. Let's say, you, you know, you've been doing this for X amount of years and, and you've paid your dues and you, you've made a bunch of good, you know, continual, consistently good calls and people start paying attention to you. You know, yeah. you're going to, you're going to start to get a little, yeah. um, you know, heady about it, I think. Sure. No, so I, I, I read no. Daring Fireball sometimes. I just don't think that, I don't know. I just there's the the reverence people give him. I don't know that he necessarily deserves, but whatever. That's that's that. neither here nor there. Fair enough. Um, but that gets back to uh, the uh, question of uh, the Bond movies. Bond movies, yes. So so for those who don't know what the hell we're talking about, just to, to kind of come around here, uh, there's the, you know the, the the podcast. I'm sure some of the some of our listeners listen to this one. The it's the talk show popular. starring uh, Bob, uh, Bob, Dan Benjamin, and John Gruber. One of the the features of this podcast that they've been doing for the past year or so is uh, to review uh, one of the James Bond films. They decided that they're going to do the entire James Bond film category or catalog, which is like twenty three or twenty four films in order. Uh, yeah, and they, they're getting you know, up they, there too. They're at like they're about halfway through. Your eyes only or something? Yeah, they're good. I think they're about no, no, no. They're more than that. They're, I think they're on like thirteen or fourteen now. I turn yeah. it off when they start talking about the Bond movies, which like, is cool. I mean, I think it's cool that they they save it for the end so that you can just you know yeah. tune out if you don't if you don't I, care. I, you know what it is with the Bond movies? I I thought that the new Casino Royale was pretty good. Yeah, the the you know the the reboot. Uh huh. Um, with Daniel I, Craig. Watching the old ones now is painful to me. Oh my god, dude! I I it's so funny because because I was. A huge. I remember like having some serious, 
you know, passion for James Bond and the gadgets and all that stuff as a kid, you know, and yeah. going to see, you know, the, the few films in the theaters, you know, when I was in, you know, elementary school or whatever. Are we talking Dalton or are we talking? No, we're talking Roger Moore. Um, okay. You know, in, in the theaters. Um, sure. And then, you know, and then I got out and then, you know, this was the same kid who was into G.I. Joe and the Transformers and, sure. and all that other crap. Um, and then as I got older, I, you know, I just sort of, I would see it, but I wouldn't. The only reason I would go to see it in the movie theater was, you know, because it was that big action movie that everyone wanted to go see kind of thing. I wasn't like a, a fan. Uh, but now going back again and watching some of these older ones, especially the ones from the 80s, they're just so, so crappy, man. And they're, yeah. they're, they're, is it me or they, they're all just so goddamn long, you know? Yeah, they are long. It's like. The, like they're three stories in one, you know. It's and they like, start oh and they start doing this. They start talking about. I was listening to a few minutes of one of their reviews on the talk show today, and they were saying that, like, you know, it's like they have like, oh, we have to have a snow thing and a thing on skis. Yeah, yeah. There's, and a, whatever. there's, the, there's a ski scene, uh, an underwater scene, and then a driving some sort of a car chase. Yeah, exactly. Scene. Every like, like freaking like film this, has this formulaic it. thing, and I, I. I will admit to being the kind of person who I think I've I've seen most of them, but I have no need to see most of them again. No. The only good one is the one that ends one of the Connery ones. Is it Goldfinger where it ends in Fort Knox? I don't remember. There's like a final battle scene in Fort Knox. Oh, uh-huh. you know what? Too like, and I I hesitate to say this, but like I've been listening to a lot of Dan Benjamin podcasts. Yeah. He's not nearly as good as say Leo Laporte at keeping the person on point. Okay. You know, like he. Like, often somebody will say to him, so, Dan, what do you think is the number one reason why people buy this product? And he'll be like, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, he doesn't, like, play along. Uh-huh. And it's just something about it. It's just like, wait, you're the host. You're supposed to play along. That's your job, you know? Right. Like, a lot of the time, it's just he's, he's, he's much more of a ringmaster than he is a content creator. Yeah, I would say that. Um, and it's just it's funny because I listen to a lot of the Twit podcasts, and Leo is definitely like in control whenever he's sitting in the chair, right? You know, of like well, a group but, of six dude, people, like he can, he's also, very good at like bouncing it to the other person and 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 moving it around and keeping the thing going. Well, where Dan sometimes just kind of like lets dead air go for six seconds, which is fine. I mean, dude, let's put it into perspective here. Leo Laporte was a radio broadcaster for fifteen years. Now, didn't didn't Dan do any sort of thing before this? At, well, listen to the two voices, man. I mean, Leo Laporte's voice is a radio voice. I mean, that guy yeah. is is a bona fide, you know, radio yeah. veteran, you know, and that so that the, the thing what you're basically describing is, you know, the difference between someone who's been doing it for, you know, who, who chose to do it professionally and, and, you know, continues to do it on his own versus someone who just sort of happened into it. Yeah. So you know? Dan didn't do any of this stuff before. No, he was a these. he was a coder. He was a cubicle nerd for a while. So how did he get into this? I, I think it just sort of happened. I want to say the the podcast with with Gruber was the first one was, was one of the first ones. I mean, the whole five by five thing sort of um, sort of evolved. You know, I don't think he just started it out of out of thin air. Yeah, of course. It's uh, it's interesting though. Yeah. It's, it, though you know, he's moving to um, Austin, Texas. Uh huh. And I heard my that. sister lives in Austin, Texas. So when once he gets there, I think I'm going to look him up and see if I can go say hello one day. Neat. Take some pictures. There you go. Yeah. Say hi for uh, me. I will do so. Um, <laughs> all right. So if you have any other things we hadn't think of, hadn't thought of, um, let us know. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll add them to the show notes. But uh, You're talking to our audience now, aren't you? <sighs> yeah, I guess I am. Okay. Cause do you, do you have, so, but you have a list we can put together? Uh, well, I, I've been jotting down most of the things we've been talking about here, so we can go through that. Perfect. Um, 
but yeah, I, I can't think of any other must see. Are you well, a huge, are you are you a big movie watcher though? Do you watch movies just to kill time? I I guess I do. You know, it it, it depends on what what I'm up to in my life. Like right now, I'm in this transitional period where I'm you know I'm not super busy with work. Yeah. Um. So so there are times when I'm just like you know I'm just waiting for people to get back to me kind of thing. And uh, yeah, and and I'll watch like TV shows, and I'll watch I'll watch movies, and I'll go through, and sometimes I'll I'll browse through you know um, an NZB website index, uh, just looking through what's been posted recently, you know, yeah. and I'll just download it just because oh there's a film I haven't seen before, or there's one that my friend said sure. was cool, or there's one that I wouldn't mind watching again, you know, um, I'll I'll download a movie just for the sake of it, sure, sometimes. Interesting. Uh, another I always th- feel like watching movies is a daunting thing. Like I like it when I'm done, but like. The idea of going, all right, this is going to be an hour and a half investment or two hour investment and getting mm. started and like watching the first thing, like getting into the movie in the beginning. Yeah. It's hard for me to do sometimes. What about, now? What about, are you the kind of person, you, you know, some people, um, you like, do a, do you like going to the movie theater? Uh, I do, but I don't like dealing with other people at the movie theater. And are you the kind of person, can you see a, a I movie? haven't seen a movie since the reboot of Star Trek in the movie theater. Can you see a movie in the movie theater by yourself? Yes. Okay. Because there's a there's an interesting bunch of people. It's that, not a social thing for me that the, that they don't go unless other people are going with no, them. No, no, I'll I'll go alone. But I I just I lately it's just sort of like I'm not going to spend well, New York. How much is a movie now? Fourteen dollars or something? Thirteen fifty. Yeah, sp- it's like I, I'm not I, spending I fourteen dollars to, to go see a movie when I can like wait three months for it to be on Blu-ray. You Fair know? enough. Fair enough. Unless it's something that's like oh I have to see that in the theater. Right. But I, honestly, there hasn't been that since the reboot of Star Trek. I didn't realize you were such a big Star Trek fan. I wasn't, or I'm not, but I thought that was a really good movie. But it was the kind of thing like, oh, I'll go see that in the theater. I think Heather and I went, and I think Kevin, my brother-in-law, met up with us. Sure. Um, but it, you know, it it was. Uh, but that was what, like two years ago? I guess so. Yeah. So I haven't seen a movie since then. Wow. Wow. Two years I've been to the theater. What does that say? Uh, it says you do not like. Going I'll tell to you. Movies. Nowadays, though, things come out so much faster than they used to. It's true. The, you don't the, usually wait four years for a movie to oh, come no, out on video. Not at all. It's I like, mean, I think three months is the average. And sometimes yeah. you sometimes you get, you know, especially around Oscar season, yeah, uh, you and can then see the screeners it, And then pop there's up. stuff that I haven't seen from three months before that. So whatever was in the theater three months ago is now kind of available to me now. So it's kind of like, well, okay, so I'm three months behind. Who cares? You know? Right. It's, kind of, it's like watching last week's Glee on Hulu. It's like, okay, well, it's new to me. Right. You know? Sure. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge like. I don't watch tons of movies to watch movies. You know, like I'm not a I'm not a a, a critic of movies. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just in, it's an interesting thing. Some people are movie people and some people aren't. And I'm there's a lot of movies I like, but I'm I don't watch movies for fun. You know, gotcha. That's different. All right, we'll put a list together and people can watch some films and uh, maybe we'll come back to this next time if we think of anything new. Cool. Yeah, the only other th- uh, co- uh, example of the movies that I'll see regardless, you know, just, you know, uh, of who makes it or, you yeah. know, this person puts their name on it and I'll go see it. Uh, it's not a person. It's actually Pixar. And I think uh, it's yeah. safe to say that I've seen every single Pixar film and I will probably continue to do so. I haven't des- seen Cars. Despite Cars 2. <laughs> I haven't yeah. seen Cars. I haven't seen a Bugs Life. Eh, maybe I saw Bugs Life and I will not watch Toy Story 3. Oh, you're such a baby. I am indeed a baby. It's a good film, Up man. Up killed me, and I, I can't go anywhere near it. What kills you? Up. Oh, yeah. Up was... And that was... Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, Up threw me, like, against the wall and, like, sat on me, and I was like, ugh. You're such a baby. 
I know. It sucks, right? <laughs> All right. Till next time, Dan. All right, buddy.